will help us answer the political questions of our day. So let me move you to verses 3 today, the theological question. Uh, I'm always amazed when I read through the Gospels afresh that in these public moments of conflict and debate, how wise Jesus is in his debates in the public square. Here he answers the political question with another question. And through his question, he reframes the debate, asks the question, what does God teach on marriage and divorce? And uh, in this section, verses 3 to 8, I want you to see that Jesus makes two really important points here. The first point is this. Divorce is a confession to hard hearts. And the second point he makes is this. Marriage is a gift for a man and a woman in a lifelong union. Now, uh, here's where I feel like I'm beginning to tiptoe into a minefield. I'm very conscious that not only the political question is asked, but the pastoral questions are being asked. I'm very conscious that these questions may impact on you personally in different ways as they impact on me. Let's come to Jesus' first part of his answer. Divorce is a confession to hard-heartedness. You'll notice wisely that Jesus answers with a question. What did Moses tell you about this? What did Moses command you? And he gave the Pharisees an opportunity to respond and they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And again that brings us back to Deuteronomy 24.1. If a man marries a, a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, he writes her a certificate of divorce. That opened up the can of worms, whether you could divorce someone for any means, and the interpretation of that verse becomes important. Jesus comes back and says this, In both cases, Moses allows divorce as a confession to hard-heartedness. Uh, the principle is a good principle. A marriage partner deserves well and the ethics folk talk about a retrieval ethic here and Jesus answers their question with this answer it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote this law and so we begin to see that Jesus has a high view of marriage and divorce as it came people living in a fallen world was a confession to hard-heartedness, most often to protect the woman who had no rights of her own in that Near Eastern culture in particular. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. And so Jesus is beginning to show us his high view of marriage. And he's responding to the initial political question. The second thing that Jesus says is even more glorious and more beautiful. He applies God's blueprints for marriage from Genesis 2 to show how marriage is good. 
a beautiful picture of marriage and he draws on Genesis 2 to be able to do it. Look in verses 6 to 9. At the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Uh, they're beautiful words that form a key part to our wedding service, even in the Anglican tradition and uh, most of the Protestant traditions as well. Here is a celebration of a high view of marriage. Marriage is good. Marriage is a gift. Marriage is for a man and a woman in a lifelong union where the two become one flesh. Now I get perplexed when the political questions come about same-sex marriage and I hear people say Jesus doesn't have anything to say about same-sex marriage. This is the purple passage where he holds up God's good blueprints for marriage between a man and a woman in a lifelong union. Uh, and so we can say two things about Jesus teaching here. Marriage is a gift, uh, and the ideal is it's between a man and a woman till death do they part. And the second thing to notice that it's in this lifelong union that is the appropriate context to and enjoyment to the gift of sex where two become one flesh. Now the one flesh idea is a deeper idea than just the physical union, but it's not less than the physical union. And so Jesus takes the conversation further, further probably than his uh, questioners were expecting, by looking back to Genesis 2 and showing us the foundation that God has given us for marriage. It's inappropriate to share your flesh with someone who is not your lifelong marriage partner. And so Mark 7, a passage we've looked at before, says sexual temptation comes from the heart. And sexual temptation is any thought, word or deed in the sexual realm outside of that gift of marriage. And so Jesus is laying the foundation of a high view of marriage. It's a gift for a man and a woman in a lifelong union. Now one of the political questions that's been asked about uh, 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 asked in the Anglican at the moment is does this high view of marriage enable people to commit uh, domestic violence inside the marriage, inside Anglican marriages. I'm not really, I'm not sure if you've thought about this too much. A report was handed to General Synod last week speaking about domestic violence within the church. I read on the Warunga uh, uh, Facebook site that in Warunga, uh, in the month of April, there were 16 domestic violence incidents so it's in our territory. Is it in our church is the question. And I want to say that though Jesus teaches a high view of marriage,
So Jesus here is giving us his blueprint for marriage, a lifelong union between a man and a woman till death do they part. And it's never to be an excuse for abuse against their partner. Jesus gives us a high view of marriage. And Jesus said, those whom God has joined together, let no one separate. Uh, it's my favourite part in the wedding service where I get to hold the bride and the groom hands together as the wedding pastor. And I get to declare to the congregation, those whom God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus teaches a high bar for marriage. Which brings us to the pastoral question what about divorce then? It's a concession to hard-heartedness. It's a protection for a neglected partner. And the conversation continues in this conversation in verse 10. And we see uh, the pastoral question is raised. How do we apply God's high view of marriage and divorce to our everyday lives? And you'll notice that it's the disciples who want to keep talking about it. And so the conversation moves from the public where, where it's a political question to indoors and inside the house where it becomes the pastoral question in verse 10. Look at verse 10. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. Now the disciples aren't asking for political reasons in this moment. They're asking for pastoral reasons. in verse 11 to any reason divorce. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. If she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. It's important for us to see that Jesus is talking about any reason divorces that were raised in the political question. And it's important for us to see this is not everything that Jesus teaches about divorce or in the New Testament beyond that. What is interesting when we get to Matthew's version of this conversation in chapter 19, even the disciples were wrestling with the high view of marriage. And we read in Matthew 19 that one of them said, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it's better not to marry. We've already met Peter and his mother-in-law in chapter 1. And so what we to the private, personal conversation where Jesus upholds a high view of marriage, where other than a moral failure of one 
taking one of the tithes. Now, this is not everything the Bible has to say about marriage. And this is not everything that uh, Jesus has to say about marriage. There's lots of other places that are well worth thinking about. 1 Corinthians 6 and 7, Ephesians 5. But in this context, Jesus is speaking about those who, for any reason, should have washed their uh, wives. In in Aussie culture, the divorce rate has been roughly sitting at about one in two across our population. And the rate of marriage has dropped significantly as people cohabit. In 1975, we embraced no-fault divorce. No-fault divorce, which has changed the pattern of marriage and divorce in our own country. Into that personal space, which all of us operate with our families, Jesus counsels us with a high view of marriage. It's a gift. Thank you. 